to Media Plus with me, Charlotte Henry. It's our weekly look at digital media and Apple's place within that world from the Mac Observer. And I'm really excited this week. We're going to dig into one of the Apple TV Plus music documentaries that recently came out. And um, listen, if we're talking about old school artsy music, there's only one guest I could have. So hello, Mick Wright. Hello, how are you doing? I'm good. Who else could I have for a pretentious music documentary on an old band? Could only be you, really, couldn't it? <laughs> I'm not sure if I like the implications Listen, of this, but I'll take it. Don't fight the truth, man. You know the truth. Um, no, I'm really excited to dig into that. But because look, we're talking a lot about Apple and music and music documentaries, and obviously there was a particularly horrible, tragic event that happened this week at the Travis Scott Astroworld Festival. I'm not going to dig into it too much. There's all sorts of legal proceedings going on after eight people lost their life, at least eight people in a surge there. But um, wanted to acknowledge it at the top of the show. Obviously, it was being live streamed on Apple Music. and There's all sorts of horrible footage coming over. So we'll obviously keep an eye on how the numerous investigations that are taking place develop, um, both on the MacObserver.com and on this show. But it's just a horrible, tragic event that kind of... We didn't really expect that this show would have to cover such things, but obviously Apple is in the world of music and music events, and this was being live streamed, and it just seems right to acknowledge the horrible, horrible loss of life that took place over the weekend. And um, with a horrible clunking uh, break turn there, how are you doing, Mick? Thank you for coming back on the show. Pleased to have you here. Yes, I am doing okay, thank you. Good, yeah, good. good to be here. Always always happy to be here. Yes, it's fun. And obviously, you should all be subscribing to Mick's Substack. Um, and we will discuss that at the end of the show. But what we want to dig into, first of all, is the Velvet Underground documentary on Apple TV+. Plus. Um, I've watched it. You've watched it. I think we both had quite similar thoughts on it. So go give us yours to kick off. Um, well, I would say, uh, yes, uh, I think if you know a lot about the Velvet Underground there already, then you would probably uh, enjoy it from the perspective of the ar- the use of the archive footage is amazing. Um, it, there's a lot of good interviews in it. Obviously, Lou Reed has passed away some time before, but there's a lot of archive of him in it. There's some very good um, interviews with John Cale uh, yeah. and uh, Mo Tucker, other members of the band, Um it, it, so in that respect it's, and various it, hangers on and and lots of hangers on but lots of very interesting hangers on lots of people from um the uh andy warhol sort of milieu that was around then mm. um and, and, it, and, it, and that's that's good like i think they're very honest interview a lot of them are very honest interviews i think it's um it's quite powerful visually a lot of the time he makes these sort of collages of footage which are very striking it's, uh, it's, uh, it was created say, by Todd Haynes, wasn't it? And it's uh, Todd Haynes, yeah, exactly. It's very in his style, and also obviously playing on pop art and Andy Warhol styling the whole film, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And I think I, I think it is a it is a it's a piece of art in its own right, which mm-hmm. you could, which many music documentaries aren't. We're all very familiar with the kind of talking head, very kind of linearly structured 
music documentaries mm. which mm. you know if i've watched lots and lots of those partly you know pr- because of being a music journalist and also just sometimes you could just watch them because they're kind of any they're very easy watch if it's a band you know the story of i can't i've watched countless nirvana documentaries yes. i don't think i really need to hear that story anymore and yet i will still watch them if they're on or i uh, come across nirvana them, documentaries you, know? you there's not you can there's all sorts i mean the sky art channel here in the uk seems to have uh, behind the album or various yeah those classic album ones yeah on almost every night and they're great but they're of a very different style you're completely right to outline that this is a very stylized very artistic piece of work and it is and it's beautiful and fascinating to watch and as you say it could easily be a piece of art in its own you know i the opening sequence, for example, is each band member is... There's a bit where Lou Reed is being in, sort of introduced, as it were, and talked about, and there's just a still of him or just a, some footage of him looking at a camera and blinking, and then something else is going on the other side completely of the screen, and you sort of forget Lou Reed is staring at you, and all of that kind of thing. It's very, very artistic and stylized. But um, your point about if you didn't know the story of the Velvet Underground, it's quite hard to follow... I think is a very well-made one because although I know some of the songs, I certainly know a lot of the Lou Reed songs from Transformer. Um, I could not pretend to be au fait with the story of the Velvet Underground. I'm going to cash in my age at this point. Um, but uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating story and I'm pleased I now know more about it, but it's not an introduction. This is not Velvet, the Velvet Underground 101. No, exactly. And there are lots of gaps in it. it and it does a thing which... Um, which happens quite a lot in documentary. I've been, I was rewatching the last dance, the, um, yeah, the Michael Jordan one, the, the oh, Michael Chicago Jordan and, and Chicago Bulls uh, documentary. And the interesting thing about that is in that narrative, they cut it off and sort of imply that when Jordan um, left the Bulls at the end of the, of the, the last dance sort of campaign that he never played in the NBA again, but he did actually return with the, the wizards at a later yeah. point and stuff. But, but for the narrative, the documentary is much more dramatic to say this was the last, you know, this is the end. And the same thing sort of really with the Velvet Underground is that there was a Velvet Underground reunion later and stuff that doesn't get covered particularly it's like it focuses on this they mention it but it, they focus very much on this period and it's kind of this capsule well, of time yeah and and it, and there's a narrative that todd haynes chooses a narrative through line that is actually much more complicated if you know more about the velvet underground you find oh it's a lot more complicated mm-hmm. there's a load of other stuff happening but i get it as a documentary maker particularly if you want to make a really artistic and powerful piece of work uh, you choose a narrative. It's like sure. in journalism, when you write a piece of long form journalism, people often say, we didn't mention this, didn't mention that. But in the end, sometimes you you've got to, story, you have to have yeah. a narrative through line and say, this is the part of this story I'm going to tell. And if yeah. you go down too many side avenues, you never tell the main story. And I right. think and made this documentary is already choices. two hours. If you picked yeah, out exactly. everything that was going on in New York in the 60s and the 70s that can involved Andy Warhol, the Velvet Underground and the various hangers on, we'd be here for about three days. Um, it's, uh, but your, your point about narrative is, is another well-made one because it went from a blazing row between Lou Reed and John Cale and Cale being kicked out of the band and then Lou Reed walking out um, to a scene. I mean, there's bits in between, but then... Towards the end, there's a scene where he's talking about having spoken to Mo Tucker, about having spoken to John Cale quite recently, right? You know, towards the end of the film, you're like, oh, we didn't know any about this reconciliation. Yeah, and um, and Cale and, and Lou Reed made 
made made an, an album, a, a couple of albums together later in their careers right, as and well. They showed so, the, like, they show this at the end. They show some of the work they did together, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. So, so it is kind of more. It is my. It is kind of more complicated. I think it's also you're always going to have this issue that that Lou Reed is such. You know, Kale and Reed are kind of the key, the central figures in this story, and Lou Reed is dead. <laughs> like it has been for some time. So you have to rely on on. Uh, very good archival material mm. of Lou Reed talking, but but the question for me would be okay. But we didn't have the older the older older Lou Reed was not able to contribute to this. So John Cale is able to have that kind of um, you know uh, yeah. looking back nostalgic perspective, knowing that he's contributing to a film about this history of the band. Whereas Lou Reed's contributions are obviously. Uh, coming from different contexts and often you don't actually know what period of time the interview with Lou Reed is coming from so yeah you know that changes it slightly as well it does I really liked the amount of archival first of all I think we should unpack the archival footage in and of itself because it's amazing and I did like the kind of frequent interventions if you like from Lou Reed who's obviously the central figure of the story uh, of the Velvet Underground you don't really hear much from Andy Warhol. There's little bits of him um, and lots of people talking about him. But there's lots of archival footage of Lou Reed either looking very cool, hanging around, or actually talking and discussing various issues. And you sort of brings him back a bit. But as you say, you don't get the, I'm looking at this in 2019, 2020, whenever it was made. And this is what I think now. We don't get that perspective, of course. Yeah, exactly. And that's, uh, but of course, that's it's, that's I, that's unavoidable. And I'm glad Todd Haynes made this film. Mm. I mean, it is a it is a beautiful piece of work. I mean, the other aspect of it is the visuals in it are powerful, but they're also quite tiring in some so respects. So I'm exhausted I, afterwards. I I I broke this up into I'd say you know maybe three parts I think um, partly because I think it's just the nature of what happens with streaming is that you that there you know I really wanted to engage with this and not be half-hearted I, I was enjoying it and I really wanted to yeah. watch it properly so you know when household things are happening and stuff I was sort of like okay I'm going to put this aside and come back later when I can give it my full attention but I also think if I'd had to watch it in a cinema I think I'd have come out knackered because yeah. it is visually um a sustained assault really yes <laughs> like it really, really hits you and it and it refute you know it, it like you say with split screens and stuff it's always doing something there's always yeah. something going on i mean and auditory as well you know. yeah there can be yeah. three four things going on at once with the two different sounds you know a song and a cover version of a song playing it is really exhausting i watched it in kind of two one hour chunks on the same evening and was a bit brain fried afterwards um but as you say that's not to decry it as a piece of work but it's a kind of comes with a health warning i would say yeah i i think i think it is i think what's good about it is that it is it's a film about an avant-garde band that is willing to do avant-garde things mm. to tell you that story. And that's quite good. 
like it feels like a Velvet Underground documentary that is influenced by the Velvet Underground as opposed to documentaries talking about these more kind of workaday documentaries where, you know, the same kind of framework is applied to any band. They're like, okay, we have the producer sat in front of the studio uh, yeah, yeah, control yeah. thing, giving you, breaking down the song and all that kind of thing. This is, this is very much his own piece of work. It feels like a Todd Haynes. It feels part of, you know, Todd Haynes is um, filmography is a very interesting one as well in the way that he's um, uh, related to rock history. You know, if you, look at something like you know velvet gold mine or uh his um biography of the uh, of the carpenters which he did with models and stuff um so you know yeah it's interesting i the i love the way there's a few things that struck me i love the way that it kind of captured that 60s 70s new york scene and there's a very funny bit where the velvet underground go to the west coast for the first time and just hate everyone they're sat by the swimming pool in dark black you know black clothes and leather jackets and whatever else and in the you know the west coast pool hating that all the hippies and the surfers which i found quite funny um just kind of that was one of that was genuinely my favorite bit of the whole it was very funny yeah um i I think what was good as well is that it is that it didn't is that it doesn't tell you the kind of um very simple idea of what the 60s was no, it doesn't. I mean, that's like, good. It's like, you know, that like it's really good that you brought up that point because it's like, yeah, look, these are, they're actually, there was not like one coherent culture here. There's lots of different cultures and there is a point, here's a point when the New York culture and the West Coast hippie culture clash and they don't get on because they don't fundamentally think about the same things. And like the whole way they talk about sex and sexuality in this film is very interesting because their mm. idea of it is not like free love and hippie, man. It's like, it's, it's sex as artistic act and uh, sex as rebellion and all these kind of things which is quite and interesting we'd liking to hang around gay bars because he thought the, it, the people there were cool etc 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 um yeah and i love the way back on the east coast how they kind of captured this incredible moment in new york artistic life of them all living together and moving in and out of the same apartments and the factory and like how andy warhol created this scene and this venue that people knew to be at and like, and all of that stuff. And also thrown into all of that was the kind of rather gross sexism, particularly in the way they discussed Nico, the singer Nico, who was part of the Velvet Mm. Underground. And basically you get the implication that she was invited to be part of the band because she was beautiful. And then they taught her to sing. Yeah. Yeah. Which which is, which is, um, which is not accurate either, but um no, you know, and but, she had, she was more, and she was already a star before they were. You know, she had been, and then uh, Warhol brings her in, the Dolce Vita and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. but again, it's this, that was another issue of of the, of of just this film's point in history, which is Nico's been dead for a very yeah. long time at this point, and so her she doesn't really get to 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 be re- reflected in a way other than in you know other people's mirrors, really. No. Um, there were some good little cameos as well that I enjoyed. I enjoyed, you hear David Bowie's voice at one point, he turns up, which is quite fun. Uh, and yeah, one- and he was, uh, he, 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 he covered I'm Waiting uh, for My Man in the yep. UK before it was out, before it was even released because he heard it pre release and then <laughs> came over and covered it over here, yeah. which Lou Reed apparently was very unhappy about. Well, throughout the course of him, Lou Reed appears to be unhappy about quite a lot of things, so I can 
Imagine that. Lou Reed was rarely happy. Yes. Um, I also enjoyed Jackson Brown popping up. His was a more conventional interview. Mm. Um, but that was quite fun. Before we continue, I want to take a moment to talk about our sponsor, BetterHelp. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Check them out at betterhelp.com slash media plus. The best way to think about therapy is through a bunch of analogies. We get our cars tuned up to prevent big issues down the road. We get annual checkups and go to the gym to maintain physical wellness and prevent injury and disease. Some of us even do chores regularly to avoid a giant mess of a house. Going to therapy is a bit like all of these. It's a routine maintenance for your mental and emotional wellness to prevent bigger issues down the road. Going to therapy doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It means you're investing in yourself to keep your mind healthy. BetterHelp is customised online therapy that offers video, phone and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on the camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Why invest in everything else and not your mind? This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Media Plus listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash media plus. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash media plus. Thanks to BetterHelp for supporting this show. To your earlier point about kind of, if you didn't know the story of the Velvet Underground, this is not the place to start. At the end of the film, they kind of do a a cast list explaining who everyone was and their various connections with people, you know, literally a headshot and maybe a sentence or two explaining who they are. Um, you've already watched two hours of them trying to work out who they are at that point. That there is an argument that that kind of intervention would be a little bit more helpful a bit earlier on. They obviously do give people's names and stuff during the during the film, but if you're not au fait with all these people, it's kind of hard to keep up with who they are and who they're sleeping with, who they were not sleeping with, who they were arguing with, what their connections with various scenes were. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but again, it comes back to you know it's. It's the collision between between this art between Todd Haynes's artistic sensibility and the, the the practicalities of documentary maker. Like something has to give, and that's I guess what gives. Do you do you think the star detracts from the from the story a bit? Uh, no, because I like I said, I think that it is a. I think there's something wonderful about a a a film about the Velvet Underground that. Uh, where's it's where's the influence of the Velvet Underground and Andy Warhol so so yeah. clearly? Like it's a film that exists in the artistic heritage of it. Um, it's not if it if its purpose was to say uh, you have turned up and you know nothing about the Velvet Underground. Let me tell you about the Velvet Underground. Then it would have failed. But I don't think that is its purpose. I think it from the start it's saying hey. I'm assuming that you like the Velvet Underground. Here's some amazing stuff with Velvet Underground Archive and the members of the band telling their story in, in a way that, you know, fits with what they were. Um, there are plenty of documentaries and books about the Velvet Underground, yeah, you know, you for start, people to, to have yeah. as an entry point. Yeah. Um, uh, we keep mentioning the archive footage and it's worth mentioning because it really is quite breathtaking some of it capturing that new york scene capturing these people we kind of only know about 
kind of the myth of them. You see them as living, breathing people stuck on tour, stuck in weird apartments in New York and talking and creating and all that stuff. And it's really, um, you know, just digging into that and spending some time watching that footage for people who are just generally music fans or fascinated by 1960s culture. It's really worth the film is really worth it just for that because the archive stuff is really quite amazing what what they've dug out um and uh, uh, of course the Velvet underground is not the only music documentary and far from the only documentary on apple tv plus uh brian chaffin and i on the kind of two years of apple tv plus review mentioned that documentaries as a whole is quite an area that apple is really buying into making a big part of its offering uh, and music documentaries for obvious reasons, the connection with Apple music and so on are really part of that. Um, I've seen, we've both seen the Bruce Springsteen one, which goes is a much more conventional music documentary, isn't it? It goes kind of track by track through a new album and watches the band in the studio create this new album. And you go song by song in order with them creating the album and you kind of see a performance of the song at the final version at the end, which is all very enjoyable, but it, it's a very different offering to this, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's a very sort of meat and potatoes sort of Bruce yeah. type, uh, type uh, documentary. In a sense, you could say, well, it's a bit like saying the Velvet Underground film is very Velvet Underground. Mm-hmm. The Springsteen one is very Springsteen in the sense that it's like, uh, I, you know, here I am, it's unvarnished. Here's, you know, it's something I've done and here it is. Um, there's a good, I mean, 1971, which is their like series yes. about various um, incidents during that year of music is, is, is pretty good. Um, it, it, it covers that year really well and, and it hits the key artists of that quite well. That's another classic, you know, here's a lot of footage that we've cut together, classic document, you know, music documentary one, but I did enjoy that a lot. Um Outside of music, I think the um, they've done really well on natural history documentaries. Yeah, they've a really got big on that. that. Are really good. Um, I like Tiny World, which, as you said, is good because they've got Paul Rudd yep. from uh, Ant Man talking about ants a lot. I, and like, um, have confessed that the reason he narrated it is because he's Ant Man, and they were like, we don't purely, know yeah, which is which must, is fantastic. This must happen. Um, there's a very good documentary about Charlie Brown and. Oh, yes. um, and Schultz, uh, Charles Schultz, who, who, who made Charlie Brown, which I really, which I enjoyed just because I like Charlie Brown and it's a fun documentary. Right. Apple has this good way of making these documentaries that are quite sort of um, heartwarming, mm. uh, I guess. The Elephant Queen one is pretty good as well. Um, Again, yeah, yeah that, I mean, I the think, natural history thing, I think is going to be a big, big area where they continue. Back on the music, I also watched, I've watched the Billie Eilish one, which is... I mean, it came out back in February. Uh, was put up for Oscar contention. It's it's tough going. It's I think I said I said it in my review at the time. This is a film that is too long. The Billie Eilish one. It's it's self indulgent. It's, it's so self indulgent. I did quite I, I I quite enjoyed it for the level of access to an artist that is quite that is quite a sort of uh, influential and big artist at the moment. The access is interesting, you know, and I I suspect that a lot of the footage from that in the future, if she continues to be a, a big artist, will end up being quite useful for more interesting documentaries right. in the future. Which is like, you know, here's this footage of her at a very key period. In the same way, I guess as you know, before we started recording with, or, or no, actually just now uh, earlier in this episode, when we were talking about um, 
uh, The Last Dance. Like one yeah. of the great things about that is that's that's a load of contemporaneous footage that now is able to be talked about in a very interesting way. So I always think that a little bit with the Eilish one is like maybe that's actually the raw material for something good in the future. Yeah, I have to. Uh, de- that's definitely true, and I have to say. With the Billie Eilish one, first of all, as we said, it was self-indulgent too long. The fact that you're having to put an intermission into a streaming documentary tells you you've spent too long or at least split this up into three or four episodes. Um, And she was speaking about it just the other day, actually, with Zane Lowe from Apple Music. Uh, She said she was excited, scared and nervous and worried and hopeful about it at a screening. She said it wasn't acting. I wasn't playing a character. Well, no, it's a documentary, Billie. It was real footage of my life. Yes, that's how they tend to work. Um, but obviously it is, she said it was a very real and good interpretation of my three of the three years we were filming it, which obviously is right. And it's captures, if you don't know, it captures the moment just before, the years just before she becomes a superstar. or And as she yeah. is becoming an absolute superstar. Um, I have to say, my leave, my abiding impression as I left that film was quite how amazing Phineas O'Connell is and what he's the key part of all this story, not her. But maybe that that's her brother who does a lot of the songwriting um, and production. Certainly at, right at the beginning, you see him working on songs while she's off being a star somewhere else, um, which is quite an interesting dynamic to watch. I think they have an interesting collaboration. I think, yeah. you know, she, she they, they obviously write, to, they obviously are songwriters together. And I think... Yep. I think that it. I think it's unlikely that Phineas would be as uh, would have got as big individually on his own if he didn't. He, he doesn't have as much charisma as she does. No, no, he's uh, she's got the so, star power. You know. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, exactly. But yes, um, yeah, I yeah, I agree on that one. I expect, and I look forward to watching this kind of Apple investment. Particular, you know, we've mentioned the natural history stuff, and that's right. But I think. Um, the music documentary is going to be a really big crossover area for Apple because you've got Apple Music, you've got the TV channel, the the crossover potential, you've got the radio stations through Apple Music. The crossover potential is just too great for this not to continue, I think. Yeah, exactly. And they and they have that, they have those connect they have those those really good relationships with artists. And yeah. I think it would be I think it makes sense for them. And I think also in you know, in their wider battle uh with Spotify in terms of the streaming world, like one of the things that they can do is if they can make the TV side and Apple Music and 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 um Apple Radio connect very well, that gives them that that allows them to sort of have an advantage in that fight. Like, yes, it's a, it's a different kind of offering. very good. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. And um, I'm pleased you helped, we were here to help me unpack this kind of the Velvet Underground one because, as you say, it was a bit of an assault on the senses, but it's definitely worth persisting with. Uh, maybe, you know, check out the Velvet Underground Wikipedia page or something. A couple of, uh, well, even if you don't have time for some of the books that Mick mentioned, um, check out a little bit of background information if you're a newcomer to this. But if you want to see, there's going to be few films, I think, that will capture 1960s, early 1970s, New York and New York art and music culture better than this. Um, would it have been better in 90 minutes? Maybe, but you probably lose some of the... So, there was enough cut out that you would have lost quite a lot, I think, had we 
you know had it been made too sh- much shorter but uh it'll be yeah uh, and i feel like the footage in it isn't wasted either. like you no, know there, sure. there, there, there aren't a lot of longers in it in, in actual fact our issue i think i shared issue with it was it's too it's it's an yeah. it's, it never stops really, it really like it, doesn't. It's, it, you know. do you know what it reminded me of have you you must have seen in fact I, the uh oasis nebworth uh documentary yes. and there's bits of that that are close to unwatchable because there's just mm-hmm. before they get on stage there's just so much of like interpreted uh quite arty quite distorted footage at the top of uh the oasis documentary and it's you know you're just a bit like whoa i, I need to have a light yeah. down and maybe take some paracetamol or something um and this was a bit like that but at least with this the velvet underground one it felt in keeping and the right kind of style and i'm very glad grateful for you helping me unpack it mick where can people keep keep up with you and catch up with what you're up to uh i guess just uh follow me on twitter at broken bottle boy you can find the link to my uh substack there as well it's a daily media newsletter uh, criticism newsletter it comes out uh daily as the as the name suggests yeah uh so yeah do, do check it out you can sign up for free if you like it you can always upgrade there you go. Um, I'm at Charlotte A. Henry on Twitter. Obviously, I'm at themacobserver.com each and every day as well, covering all this stuff and much more. Uh, please do subscribe to this show if you enjoy it. Share it with your friends. Leave comments. It helps people find it and get uh, find it in their podcast apps and so on. So do share and subscribe. And thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week. Yeah.